Good morning. I'm going to sound the chime here and uh, invite you to move into 30 seconds of silence and I'll sing a song and you're invited, invited to join me if you're so inclined and share an affirmative prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So speaking in the I am for each person here. What I recognize and know is there's one life, one power, one infinite divine presence and principle. That life, that force, that source of all life is my life. Affirming and knowing that, I just give thanks this day for this beautiful day, this opportunity to come together and to be reminded once again to come back into the, the truth of being and the remembrance. Because life and the activity of life invites us to forget who we are and whose we are. And so to step into a space and into a time and a period where we can put all that aside and bask in the knowing and the, the remembrance and the reunification with the truth of our being, which is one, which is source, which is life, which is God, which is spirit, which is the universe, and directing that in ways that we are called in our hearts and our minds and our ways of being to express and to create and to give birth to the greater yet to be. So I'm so grateful to be part of a, a, a teaching on the cutting edge of spirituality upon this planet, to be part of a community that stands in the love and the law and understands that it's our opportunity to continue to grow and deepen in that path of discovery and application. So I know that what is alive and dynamic and important for each one of us, for myself to know this day, makes itself clear and obvious so I may choose wisely. I give thanks for this. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, welcome. So our vision here is a world that works for everyone. Our mission, awakening humanity to a spiritual magnificence, which is really about our own awakening. And our conscious choice is to teach and live love. So I'm going to invite you to stand up for a moment and find someone that you can interact with in a meaningful way, as a greeting, as activating the two or more, a spiritual practice, spiritual principle. And just simply look at them and say, thank you for being here today. This service would not be the same without you. 
You have gifts to share. You have love to share. You have power to reveal. You have potential to fulfill. Let's make the world a better place. And so it is. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So it's the power, it's the power of agreement that we activate, and that's a very powerful principle. Super, super powerful. Where two or more are in agreement. It wouldn't be in Scripture. It wouldn't be in the sacred text of Matthew if it didn't have some application in our lives. But where two or more are in agreement, it's powerful. So thank you for joining us in that. This, uh, this week and this month, June is vacation month. Anybody here ever been on a vacation, holiday? You know, we call it holiday here. I've been using holiday with my, my friends in the States. They go, boy, you really have become Canadian, haven't you? <laughs> so what? It's a holiday. So, vacation from fear, vacation from lack, and today is vacation from worry and doubt. Anybody here ever had any worry and doubt? Yeah, me too. So, that's good. Because it's a very popular activity. Our book of the month is The Power of Your Subconscious. Or it is power. We couldn't get the PowerPoint to work for a service, so it was really nice to have technology working. Keep me tracking. I went so long, I got so long-winded that the musicians only got a chance to do, that we had to cut one song. So thank you guys for your understanding and patience. But this keeps me online back here, all right? All right, so vacation from doubt and worry. So what story are you keeping alive and am I keeping alive about worry and doubt? Because we all have stories about it. We've had life experience. We've had our hearts broken. We've had disappointment. We've had people tell us stuff and then do do the opposite. We've had relationships fall apart. We've had work go away. We've had money go away. We've had health challenges at times. And so all those things impact us. We talked about trauma last week. You know, we did the the, uh, hatchet. We buried the hatchet. We had a little poster with a, one of them was up here this week, but disappeared. But we had baskets with hatchets in it, and it was Father's Day, so maybe there was a hatchet you were ready to bury with Dad. And also to come up and light a candle if you were so inclined. So some people took the hatchet and still lit a candle. Some people just took the hatchet. Some people had already buried the hatchet, but they lit the candle. But the point being is, is that it, even though we've already done it or feel like we're complete with the, the work, the forgiveness work or the putting down or the, or the putting down whatever that is that is still informing our lives and is, is an active part of our story. But if we've done that work, it's awesome because then we hold the space for others that are doing it and presencing it, which is beautiful, which is the two or more. Oh, I've done this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna support and honor people. There were people that paused up here and, and, and cried quite profoundly during that. It was quite impactful to witness that and be part of that, because that's a cleansing. And the interesting thing about life is that expansion, we're here to expand. We're not here to live in worry and doubt, but yet worry and doubt can occupy so much of our, our, our vital life force. We are here to expand. We're here to give birth to the greater yet to be. Expansion requires limitation. Dr. Holmes called it the divine discontent. And I love that when I was, you know, that life is part of life is discontent. But discontent is an indicator that there's something greater yet to be revealed, to be experienced. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're stuck. It just simply means, oh, there's something more to, to know and to do. And what must I become to give birth to that? A beautiful slide here of the mountains. Yes. So nice when the slides are working. Yay. Prayer works. 
But to continue to climb mountains, one must continually descend back into the valleys. So now there's a new, I guess there's a new modality where mountain climbers just go all the way up. They never stop. And that's a certain way of climbing. There's ice climbers. There's, you know, there's, I know there's specific uh, ways of climbing uh, obstacles. That, that, but the true mountain climbers that make the, the tall, tall ascent come back into the valley to refresh, to renew, to regroup so that they can go higher. That's part of what the Sir Edmund Hillary story. You know, he tried and tried and tried to climb, climb Mount Everest. And he used to say, he'd look at the mountain when they wouldn't make the ascent that, that year and say, mountain, I'm coming back next year. And you won't be any bigger, but I will be. So he knew he had to become, he had to shift and change within him how he was approaching it. So there's three rules to mountain climbing. It's always farther than it looks. It's always taller than it looks. And it's always harder than it looks. I mean, life can be that way too, right? We get a hold of an idea. It's a great idea. We're inspired. And then all of a sudden, it takes practice and devotion. I mean, part of learning is repetition. It takes repetition. I ask any one of these beautiful musicians over here. They didn't just pick up their instruments this morning and say, yeah, I'm going to go play. Hours and hours and hours. How do you put value on that? Because it's unmeasurable. Dr. Holmes said, mind is consciousness which is put on limitation. Mind is consciousness which is put on limitation because when we're born, we're free. We don't know any limitation. And then we start living and our, our, the people that domesticate us, moms and dads come along and, and, and then we create sort of the box of identity that we live from. And, and, and the beautiful thing is when we understand it's just a box that we live from, then we can always expand the box. We can push one side of the wall of the box out. So I have a, a video I want to uh, share with you. It's called The Present, which I think is a wonderful little story about how we can shift and change. Probably you've seen that, but it's such a great little vignette about the stories that we make up. If you notice the boy's playing his video game in the dark when it starts, and then his mom comes in and puts the window up, the light comes into the room, and of course he's in he's into the whole distraction of occupied in that moment and then of course finds the puppy and is sort of intrigued but the puppy's got a limb missing which you know is part of his story and so right away the rejection that's alive in him and he tosses the the little dog aside and yet the dog is just the dog just being a, still being the dog doesn't realize just because I'm missing a limb has not, no influence on who I am and so it's just this aliveness that draws this this boy, who's also missing a limb, out of his own sort of cave of, of sleep. And so I think it's wonderful about what wakes us up. I think one of the reasons that we gather, why we do, we gather in community, is because it reminds us and it helps wake us up. We all need practices. Spiritual practice helps remind us. Otherwise, we forget. It's so easy to forget in this world, isn't it? of what, who, and who we are and what we are. It's just, it just such a, an easy activity to just forget. Because all of us have things that we carry with us. We may not be missing a limb, but we have greed in some way to limitation through worry and doubt. I can't do that. I've had an experience and I've had my heart broken. You know, where it's, it hasn't worked out the way I planned. That's life. 
But when we understand that and we don't make that, a, a, we don't make that our postal code, we just realize, okay, I'm passing through. It's in, in Scripture, it says to pass through the valley of the darkness. It doesn't say that we camp there. But so many people just, you know, make that a permanent destination, location. Because it's easy to do. It's really easy to find people that are miserable whose lives don't work and, and reach agreement with them. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so I think what is the challenge for us if we truly buy into this idea that, geez, there is a life that lives within all of life. There's a perfection that lives in the heart of me and the heart of you, despite what it looks like. And how do I see that? How do I get to that? What lights me up? What, what shifts me out of my, my box of consciousness so that despite I've got the limb missing, because the, the puppy doesn't know the limb's missing, the puppy's just full of life, just wants to play ball. There's no limitation, the puppy's still gonna chase the ball. Because that's what the puppies do. You know, we never notice the beauty because many times we're too busy trying to create it. There we are. Yeah. When it's all around us. The presence is here now. There's nothing we can add to it that, other than what we do is we open up to it. We become aware of it. As Dr. Holmes said, we court the presence. Right in the text, it says, court the presence, which is you court a lover. You know, he uses courting. We court the presence and we apply the principle. And so when, when, you know, for all of us, myself included, how do you stay focused on that? How do you hold fast to a vision? Because there's so many distractions in the world. There's so many opportunities and possibilities and there's so much to worry about and there's so much to condemn. You know, this last week, uh, sometime in the last uh, week or so, I saw George Stephanopoulos on Good Morning America, and he had brought together the leader of the Muslim community in the United States, one of them, and uh, leader of the Gay Alliance from uh, Florida. And they sat side by side. And the leader of the Muslim, because of the, the shooting and the, the accusation that the young man that killed the 49 people was of Muslim uh, descent or tradition, and the, the Muslim looked at the, the leader of the Gay Alliance and said, I love you, and I'm sorry, and we're with you. I love you, and I'm sorry, I'm with you. And Dr. Holmes says in our textbook that we have learned enough through suffering and pain. And yet what seems to stimulate people, what seems to get people moving, is either great inspiration or trauma. Tragedy. I go to these breakfasts, I go to, I get, I'm on the breakfast list, and it's for organizations that want to raise money. And it's very well put together. It's very well strategized. You go when you have a breakfast, and you're at a table with people, and then they talk about what they do, and then they talk about, they bring someone up that, that shares a beautiful, heart-opening story. And then at the end, they pass around the envelope, and you're asked to write a check. And every time I go, I write a check, because I'm inspired. But I got news for you. I'm so aware of this process that I would write a check without going to the breakfast because I, I know what good work's being done. But for most people, the majority of people, they need, to be in, they need some stimulation to have their hearts cracked open. Or we need tragedy to make a difference in the world. And I think part of the journey is that we are able to keep, live more and more in that space 
that we're here. And it's not about just writing a check. It's about showing up in, in the, the world, presencing in the world what, who, the truth of who and what we are. So it's a, it's a challenge at times because the world tells us that we're, we, are, we are flawed in some way. But the flaws are the part of the perfection of life. You know, the, the limb that is missing is part of, makes us who we are. And there's many, many stories of people that have had those experiences that have not let it become a cause for failure. Last week, I, uh, I said I would share with you the abundance test. And I think we've got that one coming up here. And the abundance test, I want to read you a story from Chicken Soup for the Soul. There we go. The slides are still moving. Awesome. And this comes from um, a young man by the name of Harvey McKay. And he says, when I was a kid in Minnesota, watermelon was a delicacy. I remember this because I was, grew up in Minnesota, and I was a kid in Minnesota, and, and I remember the trucks, and my dad had a little family grocery store, and the truck would come up from the south full of watermelons, and I would help the guy unload the watermelons, and we would sell watermelons like crazy for about a week. So when I read this story, I thought, wow, I can identify with that. But he said, as a kid, he said, he said my father had a buddy, Bernie, and Bernie was a prosperous fruit and vegetable wholesaler who operated a warehouse in St. Paul, Minnesota where I was born. Every summer when the first watermelons rolled in, Bernie would call Dad and, and, I, and Dad and I would go to Bernie's warehouse and take up our positions. So they had their very own positions at the warehouse. He said, we'd sit on the loading dock right on the edge and we'd let our feet dangle. And we'd lean over, minimizing the volume of juice that we were about to spill on ourselves. Because... Bernie would take his machete, crack open the first watermelon, hand us both a big piece, and sit down next to us. And then we'd bury our faces in watermelon, eating only the heart, the reddest, juiciest, firmest, most seed-free, most perfect part, and throw away the rest. Now, I'm, I know you're, some of you are saying, that's wasteful. It's a metaphor, okay? I get it. And that watermelon that got thrown away, we can't go back and get it right now. It's an example. Bernie was my father's idea of a rich man. I always thought it was because he was such a successful businessman. Yet years later, I realized that what my father admired about Bernie's wealth was less its substance than its application. Bernie knew how to, to stop working, get together with friends, and only eat the heart of the watermelon. What I learned from Bernie is being, <clears throat> being, that being rich is a state of mind. Some of us, no matter how much money we have, will never be free enough to eat only the heart of the watermelon. And others are rich without ever being more than a paycheck ahead. If you don't take the time to dangle your feet over the dock and chomp into life's small pleasures, your career is probably overwhelming your life. For many years, I forgot that, les that lesson I'd learned as a kid on the loading dock. I was too busy making all the money I could. Well, I released it. I hope I, <clears throat> I have time left to enjoy the accompli accomplishments of others and to take pleasure in the day. That's the heart of the watermelon. I have learned again to throw the rest away. So we, can, we can't do it all. We can't hold, we can't have this duality. That's why Holmes in his brilliance said, we don't teach the devil. We don't teach hell. We just made that up as part of the story. And it's healing the separation that there's anything but God that exists. Now there's evil on the planet, but that's not, that's not motivated by some arbitrary demonic presence but the point is is that to let our feet dangle 
and to bask in what we do have can be so paradoxical because many times it's so, so easy to ident- overly identify with what we don't have. And so abundance or richness is really a state of mind wherever we are with whatever we do have in our lives. So what's on your what's not possible list for you? What's part of your story? What's not possible? Not possible for us to, you know, when the Wright brothers were around, it wasn't possible for man to fly. And then they said, no, it's possible. It's possible. Let's take some bicycle parts and they'll fly. In the last 20 years, I'll pull it up here for you. Like, yeah, here it is. The last 20 years, some of the um, technological advancements, I can carry all of my music, and you can too, in a little thing called an iPhone. You know what's that? I mean, isn't that amazing? We can carry all the music that we would like in an iPhone, that we can store, like, like remember, um, you know, remember the big tapes we used to put in, the VCR tapes? Remember the VCR tapes? And then we got rid of VCR tapes and we went to the DVDs, went to the LaserDisc thing. And now you can store that stuff. You can just order it up on your, your computer. You can order it up on your television set, depending on who your vendor is. But it's, it's in the cloud. There's all these opportunities. There's the, you know, the first hybrid car. People said, oh, that'll never work. And then all of a sudden, Toyota came up with a Prius. And people can drive a hybrid car so they're not burning so much fossil fuel. You can talk. You can call all around the world for pennies for the min- by the minute. We never would have conceived of that 20 years ago, that we can do all this communication and it's, it's so affordable. The 64-bit processors that we have in all of our computers, Moore's Law, it's an idea in, in computing that states the processor speed will double approximately every two years. And they say that will continue to happen. It started in 1965, and they say it will continue through 2020. And who knows the way we're coming up with technology. It could be, you know farther out than that, but it continues to accelerate the technology. 20 years ago, we couldn't conceive of that. Our video content, as I mentioned, internet over the air. Not only are we talking about Wi-Fi routers that enable you to internet anywhere in your house, but also G3 technology that lets you use the internet on your mobile device while you're out and about. It's amazing to be somewhere and take, pull your phone up and Google something. It's like, look at this. You know, it boggles the mind if we think about it. But 20 years ago, it was impossible. We don't have the technology. We'll never do it. Produce a movie in our living room. You and I can, can download software and produce our own movie. We can make our own movie. So whatever's on your list that you think's impossible, maybe not. Maybe not. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And we know this. This is quantum um, physics. Greg Braden writes about it. Joe Dispenza writes about it, that when we, when we observe something and testing it, it shifts it by the consciousness of the observer. I mean, that's, that's, that's recorded, documented science now. Isn't that fascinating how we influence? We were, Laura and I were uh, eating breakfast, and I put on a book I'm listening to. It's on YouTube. It's a guy reading uh, Rudolf Steiner. And Steiner was one of the great influences of Dr. Holmes. Brilliant man. And he was talking about, Steiner always says that on the, on the spiritual path, you have to be a sincere seeker. You just have to be sincere. I mean, it's got to be important to you. You've got to care. 
And, and he talks about the power of reverence, how important that is. Let's start with reverence, finding something in our lives because reverence moves us into that energetic of the infinite because the infinite is one of unconditional love, which is reverence. And so when we have bitterness or resentment or anger or frustration or accusation, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. We're cutting ourselves off from the source of life. That's why last week when I said, if you want to take an ax, bury it. And give that energy, whatever didn't work for you and your father, or you and your grandfather, or you and your ancestors, give it back to source. Because source will transform it. It's the washing machine. But that takes practice. That takes devotion. That takes being a sincere seeker. Oh, I can think this. I can run down. I go back into my cave of resentment because I'm justified in my resentment because you don't know what my life looks like. And it's what it's been. And all you're doing is cutting yourself off from the greater yet to be. And so what a beautiful thing to have access to this. And we don't have to make wholesale changes overnight. Steiner says that over time, you see, it's not, it's not linear. And what he means by that is he's watched people th- throughout his time on the planet that would simply be the sincere speaker, seeker and, and to live in the reverence. And it looked like years where nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. And then all of a sudden, it opens all up and all shifts. So to think that you're not making headway by coming to the spiritual community, by taking part in spiritual practice, by studying, by reading a book that may change your consciousness. That's why we do a book of the month many times, because it's important. It's important for us to feed ourselves. I mean, as above, so below. If you eat, if I eat, forget about you guys, but if I start consuming um, large quantities of, let's say, white sugar, and, and, and drinking to excess every day. Um, and I don't know what else, but if I start to put into my body things that I know don't support life, I'll start to, I'll start to have the effects of that. Has anybody done that besides me? And so part of what I know is taking care of this temple, this body temple, is if, I, if I'm selective and discerning and say no to some things and yes to other things, it affects me physically. So why wouldn't it make sense that if I'm gathering ideas of limitation, lack, frustration, and anger, that the guy that shot all the people in Orlando needs to burn in hell forever, because I'm sure there are many people in the world that believe that, because that's the story they can come up with and he needs to be punished. We can't kill him and on and on and on and on. It affects us. And Steiner talks about this. He said, if you knew that he could see the realms, Steiner was a mystic, he could see the realms, he could see beyond this form. He said, if you knew how impactful a negative thought was to your sense of being, you would never entertain another one. You know, we know what happens if you go and eat uh, 10 pounds of sugar every day. You won't feel good. And you'll be, probably be carrying around more of yourself than you were a month earlier. But the point, so then why wouldn't it make sense that what we feed ourselves intellectually, our spiritual thought, to have the discipline to say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lash out. I'm not gonna make the accusation. They're having their own experience. People project their stuff onto us all the time. And, and, and to understand that, go, wow, and to be able to witness it and not have to defend it or fix it, but let them have their experience. And if they become too, too um, um, inappropriate, we move away. I was at the, was at the uh, Eskimo game yesterday. It was a great game, great game. 
Len Rhodes was here this morning at the earlier service. Len's the, the president of the Eskimos. I said, man, Len, that was a great game. We didn't win, but it was a great game. But two guys were getting drunk behind me, and they were getting drunker and drunker and drunker. Now, I can identify with that, because when I was a young man, I got drunk a few times. And they were getting louder and louder and louder, and finally somebody went over, not me, because I was just, I said, you know what, I'm not dancing with these guys today, and I don't want to, not mind to fix, I'm here to watch the game. But see, in the old days, you know, when I was really a man, I could have had a fight with those guys, yeah, we'll show you who the tough guy is here. So anyway, become Edward G. Robinson. So I just sat there, and all of a sudden, someone went and told security, and security came over and said, you guys, you guys need to behave, or you've got to leave. But I just thought about, I had, a, I had an opportunity to either be part of it or not be part of it. And they weren't hurting anybody. They were just annoying. They were just loud, silly. And, and so, but, but it's, that stuff happens all the time in life. And, you know, for me, I just, I was so grateful to have enough training and enough discipline to say, those guys have everything they need. They'll be fine. And they finally got up on their own and left. I think they probably went and drank more beer. Who knows? But the point is, this stuff happens all the time. I don't have to make them wrong. I don't have to condemn them. I, I get to decide how I'm going to interact with this. And if they were hurting themselves or someone else, then probably I would have been more involved. But I thought, not my day. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. You know? But we see these things all the time. And it's those little moments. It's not the big stuff. It's the little moments that I have found to be so, so impactful. Dr. Holmes said, do we have Holmes' quote next? What do we have, Kev? Oh, Richard Bach. Argue for your limitations and sure enough they're yours. Argue for your limitations and sure enough they're yours. Wonderful story about a young man by the name of Dan Cummings. And Dan had an accident, had a serious accident a number of years ago where he, he dove into a body of water and all of a sudden he could feel something was wrong because he lost the motion in his body, paralyzed. He was 19. It was a cliff diving accident. In high, he was from Hyde Park. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Doctors told him that he'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Yesterday, 10 years after the diagnosis, he walked a mile. There he is. And he said this, the years came and went, but I knew as long as I took it one day at a time and gave it all mine, I would walk again. Cummings said, I came a long way. The 29-year-old walked to benefit Journey Forward, the Canton-based nonprofit he founded two years ago to push those with spinal cord injuries to better their lives. Dan has overcome amazing odds to participate in this walk. But he was told he wasn't going to walk again. Never going to get up and walk again. And so the gift in it, they, they asked him, are you upset that this happened? He said, not at all, because this is the biggest gift I've ever had in my life. How, can you imagine saying that? They'd be paralyzed after overcome that. But I'll tell you what I think the gift is and what he realizes he had one thing that was really, really important to him. One thing to really, really hold precious and dear. And he worked with it. He went to California because there was a center there that could help him. And they had exercise. They have all these machines. He fundraises now for this organization. One of those machines that puts a, somebody that's, that's had a catastrophic uh, spinal injury is $89,000. He fundraises to help buy equipment so people that, that have had uh, his experience and, and others can benefit through the recovery process. But he found ways because the funding for his treatment was limited. So he found ways around that because he was determined to walk again. And it's that kind of focus. So do we have to become paralyzed to activate these principles in our lives? To, to become more focused? Because uh, for many people, it takes the trauma. It takes the crisis. 
Holmes said, we've learned enough through suffering, but maybe not. Maybe not. And so it's a, but it's a wonderful story of this young man just stepping up. I think I've got his quote here for you. Richard Bach says, you argue for your limitations and they're yours. And you argue for your possibilities and sure enough, they're yours. I think we should become a group of possibilitarians. <laughs> possibilitarians, yeah? People that know that the impossible can be made possible. We look at the world, we look at all the things that are going on. Britain's gotten out of the European Union and that's part of that sovereign nation stuff and all that. And it's, un it's consciousness unfolding. It's consciousness unfolding. I mean, look at the movement in the U.S. of people. The same idea. Let's put walls up. Let's protect what's ours. We'll be great again. Okay. I said it the first time. I think I've got going down. I'm going to run as an independent. Possibilitarians. I'm sure I could get 1,500 votes. Maybe 2,000. No, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's, but it's, it's really those stories and how it influences things and how, well, let's go back to what it was because that's what makes us feel good. Well, it's just what we knew. But life doesn't work that way. It's always for expansion, for the greater yet to be. And when we're giving birth to that and we live in that freedom, there's a freedom in that, a trust. People are going to come along and they're not going to like us. People in this world, believe it or not, there are people out there that don't like you. They just don't. There are people out there that don't like me. I just don't. And be able to stand in there and go, I get it. Yeah. yeah. How's that working for you? Because it's really none of my business. Terry Cole Whitaker wrote a book a number of years ago. What you think of me is none of my business. But to stand in that and to stand in the integrity of that. I think it's Dr. Holmes here next. There he is. Yeah. I got my papers mixed up here. Holmes said, limitation is not a thing. It is not a thing of itself. It is a way of belief. Everyone has an identity and spirit. And this idea will eventually unfold. It will never grow less, but will always grow more. And I love the quote by the Dalai Lama, because I think this is so poignant. He says, somehow we got this backwards. Things are for using, and people are for loving. Things are for using, and people are for loving. And yet, what we see in the world is that people are for using, and things are for loving. And we got it backwards. You know? We use this building we use this building so we can meet. But it's really about loving one another. That's so impactful. It's about, about the grace and the beauty. So I want to just invite you into agreement. We're two or more. You know, I came here, it'll be, how many years have we been here? 14, 15 years ago. When I came in these doors, we, we, we would do bingos to, do, to, to pay the mortgage. We would do bingos. And I did bingos a lot. Because when I took the job, all of a sudden, I, oh, I'm, I'm doing bingos now. I had no idea. Thanks for inviting me to Canada. I, I, this was my lifelong dream to come to a, a spiritual community and be the leader and do bingos. Oh, thank God. What a great group of people. Boy, you got this prosperity thing going on, huh? So we would take 22 volunteers down to the bingo hall. And, we, and I figured it out. I said, has anybody done the math on this? Because I'm going to do it right now. So we get X amount for this for the four or five hours we're there. We were making $4.10 a person doing bingos. I thought, you know, 22, let's see, that's about 88 bucks. I'd rather just write a check for 88 bucks. Let's do something more interesting, like read a book that may improve our, improve our minds. Maybe we could get together for four hours and meditate. But the point being is I finally said, let's make, take a stand together. Let's end bingos. I'm making a declaration, spiritual leader, we're ending bingos. It's a big move on my part, don't you think? <laughs> and we ended bingos. 
And so what's, what, you know, we've looked at the dynamics of community, and I, and I made a declaration in my heart and, and with leadership that we are self-supporting through committed giving, through our membership. And we, we, we weave in and out of that. We weave in and out of that. But what I know is powerful, which is a spiritual practice, is coming into agreement. And what I failed to do was rely on the resources that were here. So I'm going to invite you to take a stand with me today. That we don't have to know the how. Because now we're, we're into this cycle now. We're going back into 30 or 40% of my t- energy is going to be spent in fundraising. So we can fulfill our, our budget. And we've cut. We've cut and cut and cut. And we'll keep cutting until we can't. But I don't believe we're here to cut to make our bills smaller. We're here to grow a bigger you. But what I want to do is apply spiritual, spiritual practice in a community of powerful, awake people. It's impossible for us to fulfill what we'd like to do in terms of program at the level of, of support that we have right now. And so what I invite you to do is just take a stand with me today that we are self-supporting through committed giving, that people are shifting and changing within the interior of their being and stepping up and understanding that we have an opportunity, a unique and powerful opportunity to make a difference in the world. Because I tell you what, if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Nobody's going to do it. Because I'll tell you what, the world is full of people out there that want to take a gun and kill. There's people out there that hate people because of their lifestyle. There's people out there that hate people because of their color of their skin or the country they were born in. Hatred is hatred. You can come up with a story, whatever you want. And we're the people on the planet that say, we get it. We get it that you're angry, that you're, you're uncomfortable with change, and yet the nature of life is change. The nature of life is, it just is, guys. I'm in touch with a couple that was in this community for a number of years that moved to Kelowna, and their life is absolutely exploding and thriving. They listen to the podcast every week. They are still part of our community. They don't come in on Sundays, but their life, and they've used the principles we stand for. They're an example of what's possible. They're actively involved in their community, making a difference. But where do we go? Because I tell you what, if we don't take a stand for it, what wins is hatred. What wins is I'm right and you're wrong. What wins is competition. What wins is we let's use one another instead of love one another. And so this is an opportunity. It's one of the ways that I know we can make an inroad on this, this, this planet. So I'm going to sing a song for you right now. Mitch and I are going to do a song. We've got some beautiful music left. This band is incredible. This young man, Mitch, showed up. He's our new music director, by the way, if you don't know. I haven't introduced him officially, but this is Mitch Smith. But as we, we go into our offering today, if you t- in your heart, if you take a stand with me in your heart, it doesn't, we, need, we don't need to know the strategies right now, that we are fully supported in addressing and fulfilling and in service to the greater yet to be through this community. And it's not just finances, it's program, it's, it's messaging, it's, it's connecting, it's, it's um, partnering with the business community in a bigger way, it's being more of a presence of love compassion and understanding on this planet that we have been in the past, I'm going to invite you to stand up with me right now. Those of you that are willing to take that pledge with me. And I pledge with you in in my heart that we are a force for good upon this planet. We are a presence of light and love upon this planet. And I know that we are guided and directed and resourced in every good way to fulfill the highest possibility of what spirit is seeking to express for us individually and collectively. 
So I am so grateful to stand in the two or more and affirm this and know this together. So thank you for your open hearts, for your possibility. We need not know the how, only the what. And it is joy, it is love, it is compassion, it is generosity, it is creativity, and it is opportunity for all of us to turn the, the impossible into possible. For this I give thanks. Thank you for taking a stand with me. And so it is. Come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving. Come, come, whoever you are. This isn't a caravan of despair. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving. Come. Come, whoever you are, this isn't a caravan of despair. And it doesn't matter if you've broken your vow a thousand times or more. And yet again, come again, come, and yet again, come, come, whoever you are. Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come, whoever you are. This isn't a caravan of despair. It doesn't matter if you've broken your vow a thousand times or more. And yet again, come again, come, and yet again, come. Come 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 again, come. Come, whoever you are. Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come, whoever you are. This isn't a caravan of despair. Come, come, whoever you are. Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come, whoever you are. Isn't a caravan of despair. It doesn't matter if you've broken your vow a thousand times before. And yet again, come again, come, and yet again. Come again, come. Come again, come. Come again, come, 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 whoever you are, 
Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come, whoever you are, isn't a caravan of despair. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving and come, come, whoever you are. Isn't a caravan of despair And it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows A thousand times before And yet again Come again, come And again, come Thank you, Mitch. Myth.